Now, since I can remember, I have uh, had a fascination with sharks. Um, before Jaws hit the silver screen, before uh, Shark Week, the most anticipated week in, on the Discovery Channel. And I, I think with col collections that they put together, like uh, the greatest bite, Jaws of Steel, I think what's not to love about that, huh? They, uh, for anybody interested, July the 31st starts Shark Week and just uh, have a happy Shark Week, okay? But I have had the opportunity through the years to swim with sharks, uh, I've been diving with sharks, and uh, I've even held a few small sharks, but they're just this amazing creature. I remember as a kid, I lived in Key West, Florida for a few years, and we would go out fishing, and we were fishing for tuna and bullnose dolphin, not flipper, okay, don't get panicked, but uh, anyway, we're, we're talking the whole time about the possibility of catching a shark, and we were pretty jazzed about it, and the guy we were fishing with, his uh, reel starts screaming, and so he strapped on the harness and uh, locked his reel in place, and he started, started trying to bring this in, and I mean, he battled with this shark for well over an hour, and when he got close to the boat, we started trying to subdue the, the shark. And it was like something out of a movie because it just come up out of, the, out of the water and it is splashing and thrashing and its tail is flailing and finally it broke the line. And all of us boys, I mean, we scattered on that deck. And uh, the rest of the trip, we talked about how we were almost eaten by a shark. Yeah, and I, I remember that vividly. We're starting a new series, Tales. We're going to meet someone that knew exactly what it was like to be eaten by fish. And it's quite a tale. In fact, many consider it a children's story. And yet, I believe God has a lot to say to us in this story. That if we just listen to God's spirit, that God would speak to us. And it's a story about a reluctant prophet by the name of Jonah. Stories in the Old Testament, uh, I'd encourage you to read it this week. Uh, it's four chapters long, and the book bears his name, and that's Jonah, all right? Jonah 1, it starts out, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. God speaks to Jonah. And he asked him to go to Nineveh, asked him to, to preach God's judgment. And this is how Jonah responds. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Jaffa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah, God speaks and he hightails it. He, he's, he is a man on the run. And that's how the story begins. And, and I think as I read this story and I read about Jonah, I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. You know, the story starts, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. You know, God speaks. In fact, God loves to speak. You know, when God created the world, he spoke, didn't he? He said, let there be light, and there was light. And he created everything with a spoken word. From the, from the beginning of creation, we find God speaking. You know, Scripture records that God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. 
And what I find as I read through scripture is that God loved them. And God loved them so much that he wanted to have a conversation. And he's speaking to them. And throughout the Old Testament, we find God speaking in a lot of different ways. He often spoke in an audible voice. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke through circumstances. We find in the New Testament, God speaking through the Holy Spirit. And I know as I'm talking, some of you are going, okay, so God speaks, but God's never spoke to me. I've never heard God's voice. And I want to tell you, God is speaking. You can hear God. Maybe not audibly. But if you just open yourself up to God's will, God's way, and most important, to God's word, Scripture. You know, Scripture, Hebrews writer says, For the word of of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word, the Bible, is active. It's living. It speaks. In fact, it speaks to you in a certain way and to me. It transforms you. It can change you. It can move you in a direction of obedience. But, it, but it's a choice we all make. It's a choice you make in, in, in your life. The fact is, you, you can hear God if you're listening. And you can make a decision. To, to respond, to, to let God guide you in your life. Or you can go the way of Jonah. I mean, the good news is God speaks. God's speaking to some of you right now, probably. But the question is not if God's going to speak, but will you be obedient when God speaks? Because what I have found in life is that many times when God has spoke to me, and you probably found the same thing, Often, God will ask us to do things, you ready? We don't want to do. I mean, one of, one of the reasons I, I think we kind of resist God, we resist being obedient in our lives, is we think we know what's best. You know, it's something we all struggle with, if we're honest, that we, we struggle because we think we know the best route to take in our life. I remember several years ago, we were, Cindy and I were down in the Dry Tortugas, and uh, if you don't know where that is, it, it's Fort Jefferson. It's about 70 miles west of Key, Key West. And it's the largest masonry structure in the Western Hemisphere. And so we were, we were on this island at this fort, and we're swimming, and we're snorkeling around it, and we're walking all the way around that. And we got to the southwest corner. And... Uh, there was a dad with a couple teenagers, and they're in the water, and they're splashing around, goofing off. And we had been there earlier in the day, and so I said to them, I said, if you're going to splash and play around in the water, you ought to go on the other side of the fort. And so it, they didn't let me finish, because I had more to say, but they just started playing again. And I go, no, seriously, you should go to the other side of the fort, you are playing in a shark breeding ground here. They got out of the water quick. You see, they thought they knew better. But in the context, those instructions kind of made sense. And I believe too many times when God speaks, when the word of the Lord comes to us, we feel like we know better. 
we don't want to obey sometimes. That's what happened to Jonah. You know, Scripture says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It says, go, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. Jonah, Jonah is a prophet. Jonah has made his livelihood speaking. He's gifted at it. He, he understands confrontation. But God gives him this assignment. It seems pretty simple, doesn't it? I mean, why did, why did Jonah resist in this? Well, you have to understand a little bit of the history. Nineveh, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians are considered by historians to, to be the most brutal empire that has ever existed. When a city would revolt uh, against the Assyrians, they would gather their army, and they would go in and they would slaughter everyone and everything. They would tear the town down, left nothing standing. And they were known for skinning their enemies alive. They'd bury them in the, in the sand, in the hot sand. They'd bury them to their necks, still alive, nail their tongues to a piece of wood, and wait for them to die. And when they were finally dead, they weren't done. They would behead them and carry all the heads and make a big pyramid outside the city. It was a statement. This is what happens if you defy the Assyrians. The Assyrians and Israel, worst enemies. There was a deep hatred for one another. They, they despised one another. Now, with that context, I think you understand why Jonah was a little reluctant, don't you? I mean, maybe, maybe he had lost family or, or friends to the Assyrians. Jonah definitely would have despised the Assyrians at the very least. Jonah, in his mind, he thought he had a legitimate reason for not obeying. Anybody relate to that? I mean, when the word of the Lord comes, whether, whether it's in a message or you're reading scripture or you're in prayer, maybe right now, in, you, in your mind, when, when that, whatever it is God's calling you to, you think, I know what you want me to do, God. I, I get it. I, I, I'm reading it. I hear it. But I don't want to do it. And we got all these reasons, right? All these reasons that seem legitimate. They seem good. I mean, maybe, maybe someone has wronged you or hurt you. Maybe they've hurt someone you love. But the word of God comes to you. You know, forgive them. Just as you've been forgiven. And in your mind, God, God's saying, go. And you're going, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. They, 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 they don't deserve it. They, you know what, God? I don't feel like, I hear that a lot, I don't feel like forgiving them. You've been around here for a long time. You've heard me talk about tithing. You know, scriptures like crystal clear about we are managing God's resources. You know, you've heard me talk about the first fruits, first 10% goes back to God. It's an act of worship. I know what the Bible says, but, but I don't want to. I, I mean, I love my stuff more. It doesn't make sense. I'll skip this one. 
and we come up with all kinds of reasons. You know, maybe you're shacking up with someone, dating uh, someone that's not a Christian. And in your mind, you're thinking, they're just so cute. Oh, I know what God's word says, but, but I, you know, I know what I want. Besides, isn't that just old-fashioned? And often, too often, the word of God reveals itself to us. And we go, I know what God says. I know what God's asking. But I don't want to do it. I don't want to do that. I, I think I know better. There's Jonah in every one of us. Now, some of us play a little game here, and we don't say no. We just say, well, someday, someday I'll do that. Later, I'll, I'll do that later. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. You hear that? Delayed obedience is really disobedience. You know, there's a, a parenting uh, technique that's out there that drives me crazy. I mean, seriously crazy. Parents ask their kids to do something. And it goes something like this. Tommy, Susie, can you do this? Do this now. Don't make me come over there. I'm serious. Please, 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 would you do this? I'm going to count to three. One, two. Two and a half? What are you doing? Friends, you're teaching your child delayed obedience. Don't run in the street. Delayed obedience is disobedience. You know, you, you want to test your maturity as a Christian? Take a look at lag time in your life. Take a look at the time between God's command and your obedience. Because if your lag time is long, I got news for you. You're immature. I mean, how is your lag time? Is God still waiting in your life? God is speaking to some of you right now. You've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Jonah, he hightails it. He says, I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I don't want anything to do with those people. They make me sick. Uh, it's not happening. The word of the Lord comes. God may ask you to do something you don't want to do. In fact, oftentimes, will. You got a choice. A lot of people run. Run. You can run. You can run so far away. You can run all night and day, but you know what? You can't get away. I mean, some of you know what I'm talking about. The fact is, inside, you, you want to obey God. You want to do the God-honoring thing in your life. But when you're faced with the choice, you run. It's what Jonah did. God says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah ran. Jonah ran. He ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Jaffa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went up aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. God says go. Jonah says nope. God says east. Jonah says I think I'll go west. I mean why, why Tarshish? 
You know, this is the most remote known city in that day. It's located right off the southern tip of Spain. And get this, 2,500 miles from Nineveh. In that day, that would have been more than a year's journey. Friends, that's a lot of running, a lot of running. And some of you can relate to that. You've been running for years. You've been running night and day. You've been running so long that it's the only thing you know to do is run. I mean, you may be sitting next to someone who, who thinks you're on track, thinks you're heading in the right direction, but in your heart, you're running. In fact, you're, you're a long way from God right now. And in God's geography... You're either moving toward God, toward Nineveh, toward obedience, or you're running to Tarshish, to disobedience. You know, I mean, when the word of the Lord comes, there is no middle ground. There's no middle ground here. The fact is, you're either going toward obedience or you're going toward disobedience. No in between. You know, husbands, wives. You're either loving your spouse, supporting them and encouraging them and nurturing them and romancing them. You're either heading toward Nineveh, toward obedience, or you're running. You're running to Tarshish. You're running to, to disobedience. You're going the opposite way of what God wants in your life. You know, maybe you're in the corporate world. You are either heading toward Nineveh. And you're, you're open, and you're honest, you're living with integrity, working to the best of your ability, or you're running. You're running to Tarshish and disobedience, you know, kickbacks, gray deals, you know, lying to clients, creative accounting. Young people, students, you're either heading to Nineveh, you know, working to the best of your ability and studying, or you're going toward Tarshish. Copying answers, carrying cheat sheets, doing whatever to get the grade. You need to understand, you can run. We're pretty good at it. You can run for a while, but you can't run forever. Now, some of you, it's not so much that you're running, but you're drifting. You're drifting. You know, several years ago, I was diving in the, the Keys, and uh, we were going on a deep dive. It was a 140-foot dive, and uh, our dive master was giving us kind of uh, pre-dive instructions so we'd know what to expect, and he told us, he said, you have got to hold on to the chain when you're descending because when you get about 40 feet down, you're going to hit a river, and he said, it's got serious current in it. And he says, you've got to hold on tight and just keep descending and hanging on to that chain and face the current. And he said, about 70 feet down, it'll get calm and it'll be one of the most beautiful dives you've ever been on. You can enjoy it. He said, if you lose your grip, he says, don't fight it. He says, uh, inflate the BC and surface. And he said, the boat will come out to get you. And he said, the current's going to take you a long way from where we are. And sure enough, on the dive, as we're going down, the couple that was right in front of me, they got to the current, and I could tell right away. I mean, they're flapping like their, their flag flying in the wind. 
And she lost her grip, and then he just let go so he could go with her. And uh, by the time they, they surfaced and the boat got to them, they had drifted almost a mile from where we were. And as we were heading back, they, uh, this couple, it was all they could talk about. You know, they couldn't believe how far they had drifted. They couldn't believe that they couldn't see the boat, that they got a little panicked because they didn't know where they were. And, and I think it shook them up. I wouldn't be surprised if they never go diving again. They were so shook up. See, some of you, it's not so much that you're running from God. You're just drifting. You're just drifting. I mean, there was a time, there was a time when you were really close to God. But now, hmm, not so much. There, there was a time when you didn't miss a week of worship. You know, you'd come, out, come away and you go, man, I was glad I was here today. I needed to hear that. that. That song encouraged me. Now I can get through the week with a little more step. There, there was a time when you didn't miss. Now, kind of hit and miss. I mean, there was a time when your prayer life was consistent. Now, well, it just doesn't happen. Well, unless there's a crisis, of course. I mean, there was a time when you would give God credit for things in your life, and now you just kind of chalk it up to coincidence. I mean, there was a time when you would read your Bible, and it was a valuable part of your day. And you'd read it and think, I needed to hear that, God, thanks. Wow. Now it's just the Bible's covered with dust. See, it happens little by little by little, drifting, drifting. You get further and further from God. And friends, i got to tell you, whether you're running from God or drifting, whether you're intentionally trying to get away from God or it just happens unintentionally over time, you're disobeying God. And the end result is you separate yourself from God. We, we're just like Jonah, going the wrong direction, doing the wrong things. You can run. You can run far away. You can run all night and day. Some of you are running right now. You think you're getting distance from God? I got a newsflash for you. You can't get away. You can't get away. God loves you so much that he's going to get your attention somehow. You know, Jonah's running. He's heading the wrong direction. He's heading toward Tarshish. He's running, trying to get some distance from God. The scripture says, but the Lord sent a strong wind on the sea, and the storm was so violent that the ship was in danger of breaking up. This is a cargo ship he's on. Would have been one of the strongest ships in its day. Sailors. These guys have lived their life on the sea. This storm blows up. And these sailors they panic. Which tells me something. It tells me this is a serious storm because these guys probably didn't flinch when it stormed a little. The integrity of the ship is at risk. The sailors, they're a bit superstitious. And it's interesting because God uses their superstition for his purposes here. The, the sailors, they're, they're sure that somebody is to blame for this. So they decide to figure this out in a very scientific way. And what they do is they're going to figure out who's at fault by drawing straws. 
Jonah draws a short straw. The sailors are like, who are you? What did you do to bring this on? Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made land and sea. Jonah went on to tell them that he was running away from the Lord. I love this. He goes, I worship the Lord. And I'm thinking, really, Jonah? At this point in your life, do you really worship God? Because you're running. But Jonah says, I'm running away from God. You, You read the story. If you read it carefully, what you find is as the storm blows up, as it's approaching, these sailors are having a God talk. It gets so bad that at a point, they're like, well, maybe we do need God in our lives. And these sailors bow a knee to God. They realize their need for him. You know, I look at the church in America today. And if you ask me, one of the biggest problems in our country, in our our churches, is we've got a generation of people that call themselves Christians You know, I worship the Lord, but there is absolutely no distinction between them and their neighbor who doesn't know Jesus Christ at all. I mean, Christianity in name only. As long as it's easy, as long as things are going well, I'll try to get to church once in a while. You know, I'm awfully busy. I just don't have time to read my Bible and to pray. Now, if I get sick, I'll pray. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I can get to heaven and still do what I want in, in my life. I know what God's word says, but, but you know what? I'm not into sacrifice. I, I think I know better. I mean, that's just old-fashioned. I worship God. Really? I mean, do you really worship God? You know, just because you're in church every week? not enough. I mean, worshiping God is not something we just do for an hour on Sunday. Friends, it is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. I worship God. Then I go home, mistreat my wife, my husband, my kids. I worship God. Oh, you know, I cut corners at work. So what's the deal? I lie. I cheat a little bit. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, I worship God. I know it's wrong, but but it makes me happy. I worship God, so I go to the strip club. I mean, what's the deal? It's not a big deal. Boys will be boys. I worship God, and then I live this self-centered, meistic life. I want what I want. You say you worship God, but do you really? Do you really? The sailors, they're freaking out. It's a, it's a major storm. They zero in on Jonah. Jonah finally realizes that the storm's his fault. He, he realizes that a lot of innocent people are being hurt by his disobedience to God. I mean, some of you right now, what you thought was a private rebellion on your part, the fact is, People are getting hurt. You, you thought it wasn't a deal. You thought 
nobody would have to suffer repercussions of what you're doing, do not kid yourself. Disobedience comes at a high cost. I mean, maybe not today, but at some point it will cost you. It will cost you. I ran. I ran so far away. I just ran. I ran all night and day. I couldn't get away. Jonah, verse 12. Jonah answered. He's talking to the sailors. Throw me into the sea, and it will calm down. I know it's my fault that you're caught in this violent storm. I think the sailors must have connected with Jonah somehow. I mean, they try and have mercy on Jonah. At one point, they're, they're throwing the cargo off the ship, trying to save the ship. Now think about this. This is their livelihood. They're throwing money overboard, sacrificing for a guy they, they hardly knew. That didn't work. So they try rowing to shore. Can you picture it? Row, row, row your boat gently down the... It isn't gentle. That didn't work. Finally, they're like, you know what? We're going to die. We are out of options. Sorry, Jonah. And the sailors, it's interesting because they pray and they, they ask God's grace and they throw Jonah overboard. And as soon as Jonah's feet hit the water, the sea calms. Isn't that like God? Jonah, first chapter, verse 17, says, Now the Lord provided... Catch that. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God provided a big fish. It may have been a whale. We don't really know. But we know it was a big fish. And even though we don't know, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, God provided. God provided this big, nasty fish that swallows Jonah. Jonah's going to spend three nights, or three days and three nights in, in the belly of this fish. And it's exactly what Jonah needed in his life. Jonah, I'm sure as he's in the belly of this fish, he sees the worst possible scenario. And God provided it. Some of you are facing storms in your life. The winds are blowing. Things are, are getting intense. You know, maybe you're having to face a financial storm. It's all coming undone. We're in trouble now. And maybe God's saying, do I have your attention now? Do I have your attention? You know, maybe, maybe you're facing some tough stuff in your life right now. You know, maybe a relational storm. And you're thinking, this can't get any worse. And God's saying, do I have your attention now? Now, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm not saying, okay? I am not saying that every storm that you face in life, that God causes it. I'm not saying that, okay? Say he's not saying that. All right, I'm not saying that. God may 
bring storms into your life. But God also may just allow the storms to happen, whether the evil one's behind it or it's just sin in this world. But hear this, God will use your storm. He will always use your storm to get your attention. And for some of you, it was a storm that brought you to faith. It was a storm that drove you to your knees. It was a storm that changed your life, that changed your eternity. It was a storm that brought you to this church. It was a storm that God used in your life. At times, I know that storms, they they seem like nightmares. But not only does God allow that, but God will provide in the midst of that. You know, when the word of the Lord comes to you, you may not want to hear it. But friends, know that you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You know, will you obey or disobey? I mean, you can run. You can run far away. You can run night and day. But you can't get away. You cannot run from God. You cannot run fast enough. And if God needs to send a storm into your life, if God needs to allow a storm to hit your life, he will let that happen because he loves you, because God desires your obedience. God desires your heart. God wants your full attention. God has a plan for your life. He wants the very best for you. That's the kind of God that we serve. God wants you to use your life to make a difference in eternity, to make a difference in this world. My question today is really, what's God saying to you? What's God calling you to do? What's God asking you to change? Maybe it's something you've been running from a long time. I mean, what is it? What is it? See, too many times when God speaks, too many times we do what seems right to us or what feels right to us instead of being obedient. Book of Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end is the way to what? death, trouble, problems. It's a question of obedience. You know, God may be speaking to you about something. He may speaks to me about something. But the question is, are you being obedient? We're going to pick the story up next week with Jonah still in the belly of that fish. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I don't know what it is that you'd have us here. But I am absolutely clear that you speak often. God, I thank you for the times you've spoke through your words, spoke through the words of someone else. God, forgive me for the times that I wasn't obedient. God, I praise you for your grace and your mercy. God, I pray whatever's on 
each person's heart that uh, your spirit would just press, push, get us moving in the right direction. God, I thank you. You love us so much. You're not going to let us keep running the wrong way. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. I pray that we would follow you and run after you, not away from you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.